Blog Talk Radio. Country, rock, and roots. Two men today who have shaped Americana music. Grant Malloy Smith and Chuck McDermott. It's Music Friday Live, so stay tuned. We're going to have a lot of fun today. Los Angeles, California, it's Music Friday Live, brought to you by World Arts, a global platform for musicians, fans in the music industry, and by MySanFelipeVacation.com, your source for a great getaway on the Sea of Cortez. I'm your host, Patrick O'Heffernan. This is your show. These bands are here to talk with you. You can call them or you can email them, 347-215-7511. Or you can send your questions and comments to musicfridaylive at gmail.com. And I want to say, give a special welcome to our listeners on the cyberstationusa.com network out there in the East Coast and the radio affiliates who will be broadcasting this show tonight. And also to everybody listening to us on Stitcher or iTunes and to all the people in London. Yes, we are heard in London on the Artist Echoes Network in London, England. And, of course, they're not going to hear us until tomorrow, all right? So if you're listening live and have questions or comments, uh, call us, uh, 347-215-7511. Or if you're listening to a podcast or a rebroadcast or you're um, uh, you're across the pond, email your questions to musicfridaylive at gmail.com, and we're going to forward your questions to our guests so they can reply directly to you. And for all of those who ask, uh, because this is an Americana day, yes, the music that opened the show is Americana. That's Big Big Bed. It's by Blame Sally. If you don't know Blame Sally, they are wonderful. Been around a long time. Uh, five women, uh, one of whom's a man, but they give him an honorary status, which is fine with him. He's a great bass player. And uh, in Northern California this weekend, so look him up. Well, I could listen to Grant Malloy Smith's music all day long. I mean, really, in fact, I was. I have been. Whether he's singing original songs about the Dust Bowl or performing gospel-like tunes or writing and singing uh in the score of The Mob, a musical, there is a reason why his songs are classic and why they're charted. He tells heartfelt stories about real people, and he creates visions of a future brighter than the past, even though his, his songs are often pain and strength. He has played world-class venues all around the world, singing songs of tough pioneers to audiences big and small, rural and urban, young, and old. His latest album, Dust Bowl, American Stories, entered Billboard's top 10 Americana uh, album sales chart and Billboard's top 40 country album sales chart, and it reached number two on the Heat Seekers chart. But better than that, he's here with us today. Grant, welcome to Music Friday Live. Hi, I'm so happy to be here with you today and all your above-average-looking listeners. (laughs) I can see them all. (laughs) <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I do too. I, I get I get to scan through the, the country, and well, the, the ones in England are actually even prettier. Um, but <laughs> since we only have twenty three minutes, uh, and there's so much to talk about, your tours, your, on behalf of women's rights, and scoring films and musicals, and you're standing mm-hmm. in front of a hi fi as a child with a, a wood guitar trying to play Beatles <laughs> chords. There's all sorts of stories, I'm sure. But why don't we start with the new album and kind of work backwards? Dust sure. Bowl, an American story, released this June. Why did you decide to look at what is a very tough part of American history? Why did that give yeah. you musical inspiration? Well, you know, I just one day I'll give you the real short version because it's it's. I know you only have a short time, but I wrote a song one day that sounded like it should be from the 1930s at a time of of suffering and, and a drought, and it just sort of cop- popped out of me, and I remembered a little bit about the Dust Bowl, but so I went on the internet and started reminding myself about what I'd learned in school you know, a million years ago. And the more I read about it and all the, the, the ancillary issues about you know, internal migration and the, the Great Depression at the same time and all that, the whole gamut of what the Dust Bowl meant to the country environmentally, you know, in terms of the culture and everything else, 
I just got so fascinated by it. I thought I've just got to not just make this one song about it. I'm going to make my whole next record about it. So I was really halfway done with a record and I abandoned it and, and changed course and spent the next three years making this record. Wow. That is quite a story. Well, we're going to play some songs from, from that record. Um, and, you know, my grandparents were in Oklahoma during the Dust Bowl, and they were part of that migration. They didn't go to the West Coast. They went to Texas. Uh, but uh, I have mm-hmm. a bit of a connection. It's in the family history. So let's hear a little bit of Old Black Roller. chasing out our plows, raining down the pneumonia, killing all our cows. But you do in the song with lines about the toughness of the people. Dust might yeah. choke us, Lord, let us prevail. We're from Oklahoma. We're hard as horseshoe nails. First of all, you might tell yeah. our audience what an old black roller is. Yeah, that's one of the nicknames that the people back then gave to the enormous dust storms that raced across the prairie and like like the song says, it rained. They rained literally rained down uh, destruction and, and heartache because um, you know they they caused enormous damage. You could imagine uh, the temperatures would drop forty fifty degrees. The winds were seventy miles an hour, choking dust. I mean, you couldn't keep the dirt out of your house. You couldn't keep it out of your lungs. It was, and these these things just didn't happen once. They happened. Well, in 1932, seven times. In 1933, forty something times, and this kept getting worse and worse which is almost once a week. But like you, like you saying, those people were tough as nails and they must've been, or I wouldn't be here talking with you right now. But, (laughs) you know, I've got to ask you, how did you know this in your, how did you get that feeling? I mean, you're from Rhode Island, which is a long way from black rollers and dust devil. (laughs) And yet you managed to to transmit that emotion. How did you do that? Well, I I spent the better part of uh, two and a half years researching and reading everything I could, find about the real history there's there's also a bunch of real interviews that were done in the 70s and 80s with survivors of it who were obviously they were old by then um but i just immersed myself in that in that whole world and uh and after i had done that i just i just was so desperate i wanted to tell it that story uh you know through me i wanted to tell their story well we're glad you did (laughs) Uh, the mu- that song, uh, the music is Americana, but it's got a little bit of a blues undercurrent. It's deeply emotional, mm-hmm. and, but starting yeah. with in the intro and what sounds like a pedal steel, maybe you can correct me on that. Mm-hmm. And then the drums come in, adding sort of martial courage as the song develops. Yeah. Did that mm-hmm. arrangement kind of flow out of you, or did you really have to work on it to get that combination of pain and strength? Well, it happened in two phases. One. Uh, the the original there's one guitar part that goes underneath the entire thing and that's mm-hmm. the only guitar on the entire record that i didn't play a friend of mine who's an, an amazing finger style guitar player from boston his name is peter jansen he played that for me that's an old scottish folk song it's hundreds of years old and he had wow. his own has his own version of it i heard that one day and i said that is the music i've been looking for to be the 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 bed or the underpinning of this black roller song i had in my imagination that I, I had it. I wanted to make this song called Black Roller. I, I eventually needed another syllable, so I added "old" in front of it, "old black roller," but um, which is a typical Southern thing to add in front of something, yeah. an adjective. That, oh, well, there, oh, look, there's old Jim over there. You know, that's a typical Southern yeah. way of speaking. And um, so anyway, I 
I wrote the rest of it. I did that whole arrangement in basically about three hours. But then we redid the song about a year ago um, with the same guitar underpinning, but I, we redid the instruments and brought in some great players in Nashville. And you're right about the dobro. That there is a dobro accompanying right from the very beginning, uh, accompanying the guitar. With a, it's one of the best players in the world. His name is Rob Ikes. He's a, a legendary dobro player, uh, like at the level of a Jerry Douglas, who's probably better known, but the, but they're both amazing. And um, I think Rob Ikes has won the dobro best dobro player by the Bluegrass Association 13 times in a row or something like that. He's he's just incredible. Well, it certainly shows that that uh, your music craft is, um, is is as superb as your music writing and your performance. Let's say let's play another one. This is a little closer to home for me. Um, it has a more rock, but still has the pain and strength. And this is, I come from America. Mm, great. <laughs> to home for me uh, mm-hmm. because my parents and I was four years old at the time did come across the mother road which is which is you mentioned mm-hmm. in the song um, in fact yeah. let me read let me read those those lines can you see the Texas in my eyes I left her but she's still strong in me we broke down in Kingman so we walked to Bakersfield don't you know the mother road well, my parents came across mm-hmm. them on the road, which was Highway 66 yeah. at the time. Yeah. From sure Texas yep. to California when the economy died mm-hmm. in Texas. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, so it's a little closer to me. But, you know, I've got to think. Kingman, Arizona, the Bakersfield, California, yeah. is 330 miles. <laughs> 330 miles. It's across the Mojave Desert and the Central Valley. Yeah. We yeah. drove it. You're seeing about yeah. people who walked it. And yet <laughs> some people did. <laughs> they hitchhiked or took a ride and had to walk some miles and then ride some other, some other miles, but they got there somehow. Well, and, and exactly. And, and the song is optimistic and it's proud. Many of those mm-hmm. families now own ranches and farms in the Central Valley. When yes. You, yes. So when you wrote that, did, did mm-hmm. you know the people who made that trip? Did you know any of them who survived and prospered? Have you been out to the Central Valley and talked to their descendants? Oh, yeah. yeah. In fact, I was just in Bakersfield back in May, and uh, they have a nice uh, museum there, too, where you can go see Merle uh, Haggard's house that was mm-hmm. built. His, his daddy built it out of a refrigerator car from a train, and mm-hmm. they have it now on the grounds of the museum. To me, that's kind of like going to a, a little bit of a temple, having spent three years of my life working on this Dust Bowl record. To, to Bakersfield is sort of the end of the – arc for a lot of people that left the Great Plains, as you know, and mm-hmm. ended up out there. They didn't just go there, but lots of them went there. Hundreds of thousands of people went there and uh, tried to find work, and there was hardly any work. And that the bridge of the song is really kind of the meaning, uh, the, the essence of it, where it talks about the fact that so many hundreds of thousands ended up in these migrant camps out there. And I don't know if your parents did or didn't, or if they were lucky enough not to no, be in a migrant camp. Well, that's they, were, they were in the so next generation. A lot of folks did. Yeah. Good. And, um, um, but a lot of them didn't, and they ended up, you know, they, they lived like, like in, a way, in a kind of poverty that we don't even have in this country anymore, thank goodness. Uh, and, but they were tough, and like you said, it's optimistic. They, they never forgot who they were. They knew they were Americans, and even though they weren't very popular, they weren't really wanted because there were so no. many of them. But they yeah. never forgot who they were and where they came from. Yeah, they were the grapes of wrath. Exactly. Yeah, this song, more than any of the others, is, is about that because the Grapes of Wrath really starts when the family leaves Oklahoma and heads out there yeah. 
then takes the mother road, Route 66, out past Bakersfield into, into California. Well, we are talking with uh, Grant Malloy Smith about his new album, Dust Bowl American Stories. You can talk with him, too. You can call in 347-215-7511. But I know you're sitting there at work and you've got your earphones on and you really can't call. So email us. Email us, musicfridaylive at gmail.com. And some of you already have, so let's let's, let's go some of these emails here. <laughs> um, <laughs> Bobby uh, W. in Dallas, uh, do you ever play in Texas? There are Dust Bowl descendants here, too, and we would love to hear your stories and songs. Yeah, well, that's a great question, Bobby. In fact, I'm in Texas right at the moment, and I'm about 30 miles from Dallas, where you're at. I'm just outside of Fort Worth. I'm, but I'm on my way to Oklahoma City because I'm playing there tomorrow night. Uh, but I will be back in Dallas on, on Monday. Uh, unfortunately, it's a private event, so it's not a public show. But, but I do play in Texas, and I, and I love playing in Texas. It's a, great, okay. it's a great place for me, and I fit right in with my cowboy hat. I, I, look, I belong here. <laughs> uh, uh, Silly Sally in Austin, uh, another Texan. Um, have you played at South by Southwest? Uh, Roots music is kind of overshadowed, but it is here. Yeah. In fact, I didn't play this year because I had other engagements uh, uh, in Mexico, but I did play at South by Southwest in 2015 and 2016. And that's a that's a crazy experience, a crazy good, It's but also crazy because the whole as anybody from who's been to it knows the whole city turns upside down during that week. And it's it's kind of fun. And I, I enjoy yeah. doing it upside down several times. <laughs> um, <laughs> Remy in Los Angeles. Did you know that an entire music, I'm sure you did, an entire music genre came from the Dust Bowl people, the Bakersfield sound? Yes, indeed. I just mentioned Merle Haggard, but there were, there were others, too, many, plenty other uh, representatives of, of that, like Buck Owens, for example, another, sure. uh, a Bakersfield native himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, I, I sure am. It's great. I love that sound. Well, Penny, you've probably done this, but if you haven't, uh, you should take the uh, the ninety mile trip up to uh, to Bakersfield and take a look at the uh, the museum there, because yeah, it's really mm-hmm. really a, a wonderful experience. Well, you know, um, if I'm not mistaken, you've gotten involved with film. Is that true? Yeah, I did. Uh, starting about I don't know, maybe fifteen years ago, I started doing. Um, some scoring for film, mm-hmm. and uh, I really enjoy doing that because you can be, get when you do film, you've got to do a wide variety of musical stuff. It's not just whatever your comfort zone is. You have to be able to write almost anything for film, and uh, that's it's kind of a lot of fun. I enjoy doing it. I haven't done one recently, but uh, like, but I, maybe a couple of years ago, I did a couple of films, and a lot of fun. Well, if I'm not mistaken, you scored a film for a musical about the mob. Is that right? <laughs> yes, it was kind of a farcical comedy about these mob, these totally inept mobsters. But yeah, and that was that was probably it's not the most recent thing I've done, but it's uh, it was for me a first because in, in essence, what I was writing was musical theater that happened to be filmed. So I had to write, you know, these guys sing lines and then they say lines and then there's music that goes weaves in and out of it it was like like kind of like a broadway musical thing which i'd never done before but uh boy i had a good time doing that well well how did that happen how did how did a country western roots guy wind up <laughs> doing a broadway score for something about the mob? i know isn't that crazy well it's a director i had worked with uh several times before so i mean she she knew i could do it so uh i got i got the job and uh i'm glad i'm glad i did it was, it was so much fun and and they even shot some of them as uh, little 10 minute uh segments as they were shopping for money to to do the whole thing on a, on a yeah. on a grand scale and uh and i was even i played a small part in it too on on the screen playing playing a, a cia agent which was also fun to do Oh, <laughs> now that I didn't know. We didn't turn that one up. A CIA agent, huh? Did you wear your yeah, cowboy hat? Yeah. No, they wouldn't let me. <laughs> well, um, you, you've also been a champion of women's rights. Um, you worked on an album produced by a Hawaiian DJ. You sang with uh, Congresswoman uh, Tusi Gabbard about the abuse of women. Mm-hmm. And uh, yep. you wrote an album to support uh, uh, efforts to stop kidnapping of girls. 
in mm-hmm. Africa. Mm-hmm. What inspired you to, to work on behalf of women's rights? Uh, because I have a mother and a wife and a daughter, and they're human beings just like men, and therefore, and also pretty much essential to the continuation of our species. I'm being a little mm-hmm. bit facetious, but you know, women are are obviously every bit as important as men, and but unfortunately, around the world, they're not treated as well as men, and it varies. I mean, in this country, there is some inequality, uh, of course, but uh, not as much as there used to be. But in other countries, there's not just inequality, but I mean, what I would consider to be unacceptable treatment of women, um, you know, treating them like, like you can't drive, you can't vote, you can't go to school, you can't be out alone. I mean, I don't, I don't agree with those. I know that there are different cultures, et cetera, but uh, I don't know. I, I just can't, I can't agree with it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and especially when it comes to the abuse, I mean, legal things in a different culture, that's, that's one thing. That's one discussion, but physically harming people or kidnapping them and selling them into slavery. And that's unacceptable. I don't care what culture you're, you're in. Well, you were, you were involved in, in an, in an album and we have a song from, from that album. I know this is not off your Dust Bowl album, but we wanted to play it. This is mm-hmm. from a, a benefit compilation album called uh, a rise above the abuse. Um, and we mm-hmm. wanted to give our, audience kind of a different look into the in, your inspirational side so here is she would not bow her head invited by by Cindy Palos who was the producer of of that album. Uh, I had known her and I'd been on her radio show like like I'm on this one by phone cuz it's in Hawaii uh several yeah. times and uh she one day just asked me, "Do you ha- I'm doing this album of uh, Arise Above Abuse dedicated to the, you know the prevention of abuse of women, that kind of thing and the recognition of it as a, as an issue." And she said, "Do you have anything that would fit on on the record or would you like to write something and I actually had written that song uh, a year or two before, um, but never really released it. It didn't really fit on. You know, it's not an American Roots song, obviously. It's not a, anything like that. But it just came out of me one day when I was hearing about all these kidnappings of those African girls over there. Hun- I guess there were hundreds of them, right? And it just really bothered me, like it bothered lots of people around the world. And uh, that song just kind of came out of there. Well, I'm, I'm glad it did, and, and uh, thank you for uh, uh, giving us the opportunity to play it, play it on the air, and, and let me direct people to uh, the album, um, Arise Above Abuse. Well, we're getting a little short on time, um, and we haven't talked yet about your evolution to Americana or many other interesting <laughs> topics, but I do want to get one more song in, and this is a very powerful okay. song of, of pain and strength. Uh, this is uh, Is the Thumbco. Here we go. Sky above my head Just outside my vision The night was turning red Water is our lifeline Rain is like our blood 
when I grow up, I'm going to have a, a radio voice like that. Well, we will see you in uh, San Felipe. Actually, uh, Music Friday Live is going to take a three-week vacation in Mexico. We're going to see if we can broadcast from Mexico. If so, you're going to hear some things that are going to be lots and lots of fun. But um, we're not. We're still per- putting all the the technology together on that. So maybe we'll see you in uh, San Felipe, or maybe you'll hear us from San Felipe. But right now, right now, I want to introduce. Um, Chuck McDermott. Now, he was playing Americana before Americana was cool. First from Boston, then Los Angeles. His Boston country group, Wheat Straw, was a major influence on the music of the day, winning over audiences and music critics and earning him a place in the Massachusetts Country Music Hall of Fame. After he moved to L.A., he performed kind of more rock-oriented music but uh, in the Chuck McDermott band and quickly attracted major following and major label interest. But it was when he teamed up with the man who has become a lifelong friend and collaborator, the late John Stewart, it also had a big impact on his life. After John Stewart died in 2008, Chuck became the mainstay of the John Stewart band. After that, he decided to take a music break to advocate for the environment. He's back in Boston now, but he has returned with a vengeance with a new album, Gin and Rosewater, his first album in many years, and we are delighted to have him with us. Chuck McDermott, welcome to Music Friday Live. Well, thank you, Patrick. Well, Chuck, your new album does a lot of different things. It, it covers all-time favorite country songs. It, it brings forth the song that you wrote in the 80s and have turned into an inspirational video. It talks kind of subtly about climate change. It honors your dear friend, and it l- laments how fast we must run just to stand still in modern life and much more. <laughs> how long did it take you and your producer, Lauren Interest, to, to put this thing together? Because it's really well crafted. Well, well, well. Thank you, and I'll I'll make sure he hears that comment from you. But uh, we cut the basics, uh, the basic tracks. So bass, drums, uh, a fellow named Kevin Berry on guitar, and myself doing acoustic guitar and vocals for the whole album in three days. Um, really, you know, recording it Wait live. Wait a minute. Did you say essentially three days? It, three days. The That's basics. Three and a half songs a the, day. <laughs> Yeah, that's about what it was. <laughs> but, but my um, whole idea we, of you being laid back just went out the window. <laughs> well, it, it was a fabulous experience because the musicians I worked with, whom Lauren helped select, w- were just so incredibly creative. And they they brought a lot of, of on-the-spot taste and arrangement skill to the enterprise that – really is reflected in the record. And it also, I I feel there is a a feeling of spontaneity to a lot of it um, because in fact it was, but then after that, Lauren and I spent several months then let's call it polishing, you know, doing some background vocals with some talented singers. We had a couple other guitar players come in uh, who added some great work, uh, a keyboard player, an accordion player. So we took our time and we lived with the tracks. So we probably spent another, you know, we did that over the course of probably four months. And, uh, and then Lauren mixed it. So all told, we, we really bore down for about six months on this. Okay. I feel better now. (laughs) 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 Um, well, you'd been away from recording for a while uh, when you did this. Now, it, was this like riding a bike and it just came back? Or were there emotional ups and downs involved in picking and writing and arrangement over that six months? Well, you know, uh, the, the short answer would be, no, there, there weren't emotional downs. Um, a few things. Even though I took a break from pursuing uh, the, the production of records for a, a number of years, you know, I still record at home. I've got a fairly nice rig at home, and I'd make um, fairly full-fledged demos and things like that. But what I will say about this process was um, working with Lauren Entress, who has produced Laura, uh, Laurie McKenna, um, artists like Mark Arelli, Bluesman, uh, Ronnie Earl, um, was a real wonderful experience. Lauren and I spent a lot of time in advance just talking conceptually about what we liked in production and how we felt it would suit my music. And then I gave him, you know, probably 30 to 40 
original songs and some covers, the covers at his request, um, for him to sift through. And um, he narrowed that down to maybe 18, and then we narrowed it down to about 14. We weren't really sure we'd use them all on the CD, but by the time we were done, I couldn't figure out which to leave off. (laughs) So the process of trusting someone else's viewpoint on what of my body and material hung together uh, to, to produce a satisfying uh, record CD compilation of songs was uh, uh, turned out to be a really rewarding experience. And again, his style of production is let's, let's figure out the right songs. Then let's pick the right players. And all we gave the, the musicians before we went into the studio was simple voice guitar demos for me, a copy of the lyrics and a chord chart. So it was a pretty blank canvas and a lot of the, the beauty that, that I, I feel I hear on it, that you referred to in terms of arrangement and whatnot really happened in the studio. Okay. And it shows too. I mean, it really shows that you've got the right people in the right place doing the right things. And let's, let's give our, our audience a little sample of what that, uh, that craftsmanship sounds like. This is Belvedere. Gotta hold back the water. Oh Lord, gotta hold back the water. Oh Lord, gotta hold back the water. Oh Lord, gotta hold back the water. I can see the Red Creek rise. Where it swells before my eyes I can see the red creek rise Well that was not uh, Belvedere That was uh, an even more hypnotic song That was Hold Back the Water Right and uh, I think it's, uh, it's and, and actually, you know, I've been listening to those songs uh, all, all week and they're just absolutely magical. Um, do you write poetry? And well, well, let me let me read a couple of lines from thunder clouds are turning black like a sack of coal on the devil's back. Uh, that makes it kind of clear that uh, it's it, that things are warming up and uh, we are doing something to the earth. Um, did you mean to, to use your, your poetic skill to, to sort of deliver that, that, that message? Yeah, I did. I, for a while, I, I've wanted to write a song that in some way touches on the topic of climate change. And uh, uh, for me, it's a very fine line because I've never really responded well to, let's say, songs with a political overtone or something like that that are overly literal. Um, I think they're they're most effective when the message is really just an integral part of this a story. So when this song started to come together for me, um, uh, I was able to find a vehicle, tell the story of a family watching a flood rise around the house, and um, if I could tell that effectively enough. I think I th- it would make the case that we have something to worry about, folks, in terms of the severity of the weather that we're experiencing and the reasons for that and what the consequences of that could be and try to make it personal. So, yeah, it was purposeful. Okay. Well, it, you, you got the message across. I hope there are some people in the Capitol who, uh, who, who hear that message. Now, the song we were going to play, uh, Belvedere, also has some very interesting lines in it and, and, and some magical lines, too. 
Laughter thrown among the stones, sounds that echo through my bones, memories looking for a home, all come here to Belvedere. Belvedere must be a magical place. Is it a real place or is it a metaphorical place? It's a metaphorical place. Um, it's a great word, Belvedere. <laughs> um, it is. But yeah, so, so, so this song, this reflects the period of time I was working with the great John Stewart. And I, re- I actually wrote this song in probably 1982 or 83, at, at which time John and I were recording a lot of uh, his records. He was in a very prolific stage and we were touring the, the U S and Europe as a duo as a, the world's lo- loudest folk duo. But um, <laughs> John was a master of imagery and I like with hold back the water. I tend to write story songs. Um, yeah. I started as a folky and I got deeply into hardcore country music, which are typically story songs. But on, on this one, you know, it's a song of abandonment, if you will, in love Um but rather than tell it as a story, I was challenging myself to try to just throw images against the canvas and see if that could create enough of a mood to get the story across. So that's where well, those lines worked. came from. It, it worked. Well, thank you. That line, laughter thrown among the stones, that, that's really a, that is a great image. Um, and when, I, when I heard the song and read the, the, uh, the lines, you know, there is a town, Belvedere. It's in Marin County in Northern California. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. it's not, ex- <laughs> uh, it's, it's one of the wealthiest uh, places in the country. So it doesn't look anything like that. I thought, wow, you have really, <laughs> really done that. Um, can you, you, you were talking a little bit about your relationship and playing, uh, with, uh, with, with John Stewart. Can you be a little more specific on how, he influenced your music. How were you playing with him for a while, for as long as you did? What changed? Yeah. Well, um, he, one, he, he's just a master lyricist. Um, mm. And it was just fascinating to be around someone for whom, who set the bar that high in terms of what's an acceptable level of execution. So I couldn't let myself off the hook if I admired what he was doing and I wasn't competing with him in any way because you don't win that one but I was certainly inspired by him so his very high degree of artistic execution was one thing the other thing that was really powerful for me to experience was his just complete submersion in his art I mean it was 24 7 he would I mean he was a very funny guy. He was a very politically aware guy. He was a, a fabulous friend. Um, so he was a three-dimensional person. But he was living the art of songwriting and the art of performance and then recording, too. You know, he did several albums produced by Lindsey Buckingham um, at the height of Fleetwood Mac's fame. And uh, I got the the pleasure and honor of watching them interact like three of us in a recording studio. And um, so I, I got to pick up a lot of uh, expertise or, or exposure to uh, the production process of recording music. And, um, and then John was a great live performer. He, um, he had a great sense of pacing and timing and putting a set together. he, could make he could literally make you laugh or cry pretty much at will, um, both through the songs and his patter. So it was just a master class in all the aspects of the things that were important to me, how to try to write a great song and and how to try to make it make sense in a recorded environment and uh, how to make it um, communicate and change the mood of your audience. You know the the goal for me has always been whatever wherever your head is at when we start the song may it be somewhere else by the end. You know, you, maybe your toes <laughs> tapping, maybe your hands clapping, maybe you're weeping, maybe you're laughing. Just don't be, if you're in the same place, we failed. <laughs> you know? I like and, that. I'm uh, gonna John I'm gonna was remember a master that. at that. Uh, that. That's great. I'm going to remember that one. We're talking with Chuck McDermott about his new album, Gin and Rosewater. And if you listen to it, you will be changed. You will not be the same after you listen to it than when you started. <laughs> you can talk with him, too. You can call us, 347-215-7511. And I know most of you are sitting there at work with your headphones on, so email us. 
Email us at musicfridaylive at gmail.com. Now, we're playing um, songs from the album Gin and Rosewater, and I understand the title Gin and Rosewater is the name of a perfume that you're fiance Ann wears and it kind of exemplifies your talent for putting seemingly disparate words together to form a new meeting in this case something <laughs> dangerous and intoxicating the gin and something beautiful and aromatic the rose water to me that talent is part of poetry and when you write lyrics do you consciously write poetry and then put it to music or do do it the other way around or is there not really a, a step process well, I think like for a lot of writers, it's it's all of the above. I mean, you, you take mm-hmm. you take a song, however you're lucky enough to have it come to you. But but that being said, also like a lot of songwriters, I mean, I I am constantly jotting down either lyric ideas or um, I am fascinated by word combinations. Um, uh, sometimes when you put two words together. One plus one equals more than two. It equals four or five or something like that. And I felt that about Gin and Rosewater for sure when she answered my question, what is that fragrance? And she said, well, it's Gin and Rosewater. I said, oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> but so I keep, I keep, a, li- you know, I keep a, a list of all those types of things. And also, you know, uh, on the musical side, if I have a guitar in my hands long enough on a given day, um, and and create enough space for it. Oftentimes, something starts to happen—a chord progression or a, yeah. uh, a a melody or something like that—and I capture those too. And and the beauty is today, if you have an iPhone, you can do all of this, you know, on your on your smartphone. But um, and uh, so and other times, just some you know some songs come to you very very quickly, and uh, you grab those too. But um, by by trying to to be scrupulous about not letting a good idea go by because I will forget it, I've learned over time. Um, it 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 gives me um, at least song stems, things to refer back to when I've I've got the time and the temperament to try write. I think it helps to read a lot too if you're you know if you're dealing with words. Um, I'm a pretty voracious reader, and um, uh, that keeps the um, the world of wordcraft in my head. Well, it's it's it, well, uh, we're we're getting a ton of, of emails since, since I gave out the email yeah. address. So, but uh, several of them uh, all have the same question. Uh, so I'm going to read one from um, Carmine in Los Angeles. Uh, do you have a wedding date, and will she wear gin and rosewater? <laughs> we're going to get we we will be married on New Year's Eve of this year and I can guarantee she'll be wearing gin and rose water. And uh will it be a musical wedding? Mine was is yours going to be a musical wedding? Oh yeah. I mean you can't get three McDermott's together and not have there be music. <laughs> but uh yeah, my 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 California bandmates um you know I spent the last four or five years in my professional, you know, full-time music career in the LA area. And I had a fabulous group of players that were the core of my band and we've never stopped playing. Um, Even though I moved back East a number of years ago. So yeah, we're getting married in Seattle, which is Ann's hometown and uh, they'll all be up there. And uh, my siblings sing and play some instruments and my kids are musical and Anne actually has a beautiful voice and, well, uh, well, it'll be a big night. It sounds like it. Uh, I meant to ask you, uh, you said that uh, you were in the studio uh, when John was working with Lindsey Buckingham. What Was that uh, Sound City uh, Studios in uh, the Valley? No, it was Larrabee Studios in, okay. in um, West Hollywood, West LA. Okay. They, and we were, doing, we were doing an album at John's. There are two studios there, a big room and a small room. We had the small room. And Fleetwood Mac was in the big room doing Tusk. Uh huh. Okay. Because uh, they started. So when it got you know, too got crazy. Launched. Yeah, when it got, got too crazy, launched. Christine McVie would come into our room and hang out and rest her ears. But it could be worse. <laughs> it could be it worse. It could be worse. All yeah. right. Well, well, back to your, your singing. Um, 
there's a song that's on Spotify. Um, listed, it's listed on Spotify on this album, but it's not on the iTunes uh, version of the album. It's called Irresistible Targets. And it contains some of those lines that you just described as one plus one equals two. Let me read one. Are they shooting down the angels? You can bet your life they are. They're irresistible targets to any shooting star. Now, you know, we don't normally think of shooting stars as killers, but you've drawn that meaning with the juxtaposition of the words targets and shooting star. Um, did, did you know the target of that song, Maria? Well, actually, that, that is a John Stewart song. John wrote Pardon that me? song. That's oh, that's, a, okay. that's a John oh. Stewart song, and um, I it was Which, very important to me to to include a John Stewart song on this record, and he has a lot of them, so it was a real selection process. But I chose this one because I love the song, um, and no one song summarizes all of his song craft, but this one represented a couple of things about him that I admired. Um, he wrote this in the mid nineties and he, John believed in dreams. He used the word dream in a lot of songs and he believed we should have our own personal dreams and aspirations. And he felt we should have national dreams. And he was also very affected when he felt personal or communal dreams were threatened or, or sometimes shattered. And this song, he, in one verse, he talks about, uh, what could be an incident, you know, gang-related violence in L.A. The, you know, Maria is a, 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 a an innocent victim of a drive-by shooter, is the way I interpret that. Um, and uh, and in the second verse, he refers to the uh, the assassinations of Robert Kennedy and Martin Luther King, which, right. if if you're our age, my age, you remember those things very vividly. But I'll say, you know, the First, first, try this on Patrick. He goes, shoot out the moon in a midnight sky. Moon, big target. Shoot out the yeah. sun in a blackbird's eye. That's a tiny target. Yeah. They shoot out a dream. They don't say why. So it's up to you and I to beat our arms against the sky and keep it flying. Now, I wish I'd thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. Ending on an optimistic note, but he could just pull that stuff out. I mean, it was truly magical. Um, well, we can see and, where you uh, learned your definitely. Yeah, uh, yeah well, it, was, speak- it was not a bad place to study. Not at all. Well, let's get back to your music. I, I want to play another one of your songs called A Thousand Cuts. I heard her when the spark became a flame. I heard her when the telephone rang. Um, you told her the truth, and then um, was that from your life, or did the flame that ended with the telephone call is that is that all metaphorical? Well, well, where the song came from was is things that it, that are a part of my life, and that is the observation that it is amazing how often and how easily we can hurt the people around us or feel hurt by the people around us sometimes for things that are they're trivial and inconsequential in the greater scheme of things sometimes something due to something really important um 
And if you're if you're subjected to a sufficient barrage of those things, you know, in a in a concentrated period of time, it can be pretty overwhelming. It can that's the you know feels like dying from a thousand cuts. So I just try to throw out a bunch of different things, some of which are very specific references for me personally, and others that uh, are are just other examples that are born in my imagination. But um, that's where that song was coming from. Well, it adds up to a pretty powerful song. Well, we are almost out of time, and I did want to play a little bit of Jen and Rosewater, so we're not going to be able to delve into your work on behalf of the environment. Let's just say that uh, to our audience that uh, you uh, worked in the nonprofit area as an advocate. You also worked to staff for a member of Congress, so there you've probably been instrumental in making sure that our environment is better than it would have been had you not been there. Uh, maybe the next time uh, you're on the air with us, we can uh, talk about that. But I did want to play a bit of Gin and Rosewater before we left, because after all, that is the title of the song for the album. Great. I drink the wine slowly. I watch the sun. Down. I learned to live lonely. I was more lost than I was found. Till one warm tale, Juliet gave herself this That's a a great song, and especially it's a great song from a man who's about to get married. So uh, (laughs) we are um, almost out of time, but uh, I want to make sure that we have an opportunity to tell our our listeners where they get your music and where they can see you live. And particularly on where they can see you live, Ronnie in New York City wants to know when he can see you in New York City. Uh, Silver Bullet in Boston wants to know when... uh, when you're going to be playing in Boston. So where, uh, where does all that information reside? Okay. Well, all of that is on my website, which is my name. It's simply Chuck And uh, my tour dates are on there. Videos are on there. Um, some other uh, songs that aren't on the record are on there and things like that. So that that's a good place to start. I don't have a New York city date. Uh, lined up at the moment, but I will be in Phoenix this coming Sunday, the 13th, well, in Scottsdale, Arizona, uh, with the John Stewart Band. A bunch of us who were yeah, John's yeah. former sidemen still play several times a year. We do a couple hours of all his music, and uh, that's open to the public, Scottsdale Plaza Resort. And then uh, uh, Sunday, August 20th, I'll be at McCabe's Guitar Shop in Santa Monica, California. And it's a CD release show for Gin and Rosewater and the John Stewart Band. We have a, a live CD out, too, called One Night in Prescott. So we're same guys. We just change shirts between sets. And one set, <laughs> we're Chuck McDermott's band. The next set, we're the John Stewart Band. That'll be that. And um, uh-huh. on, uh, the other dates I have to the fall are all on my website. Okay. ChuckMcDermott.com. Well, well, Chuck, I really want to uh, thank you for taking the time be with us so uh, and we're, we're going to ha- we're going to have to have you back on this show at some point uh chuck mcdermott you can follow him at chuckmcdermott.com and uh be sure that if you're in los angeles to catch that show at uh, the legendary mccabe's chuck mcdermott the new album is jen and rosewater buy it at his website chuckmcdermott.com download it at itunes stream it on spotify but you know buying is the best and like i said check out the tour well, you've been listening to Music Friday Live with Patrick O'Heffernan from, from Blog Talk Radio, from CyberStationUSA.com Radio, and all of our radio affiliates, and in London. Like our Facebook page. Follow our Twitter feeds. Get real-time updates on our guests. Our producer is Lars Christensen. Our program director is Jason Bartlebin. Our intern is Angeline Serrano, who has her own radio show now. Congratulations, Angeline. Download this and other Music Friday programs at blogtalkradio.com forward slash Music Friday. 
Be here next Friday. Our guest will be Afrolicious and Charlotte Bass. Check out the Twitter stream and our Facebook page for all the information. That's it for now. Have a great musical weekend.